Welcome to A Word in Season. I am your speaker and hostess, Pastor Prophetess Chestina Ellis, mentor, and Christian counselor. And I'm coming to you with a series on the book of Isaiah. Yesterday, we expounded on an introduction to the study that we're going to be going into over the next few days. And I pointed out in there that at least for 30 days, begin to look into it. Well, we're going to go throughout the entire book of Isaiah and just explore each chapter and get the word of God. It doesn't take long to get the simplified meaning of what the prophet was saying to the people of God in the prophetic word that he was speaking to them through the visions given him by the spirit of God. And so we're going to begin to look at that. And today we're going to start at the first chapter of Isaiah and begin at the first verse. I want to begin uh, by saying that today is January 20th. 2019 and we are embarking on a journey through the prophetic word of God in the book of Isaiah. So let's begin at the first verse. It lets us know that the vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem and that Isaiah son of Amos saw during the reigns of Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. So it lets us know that this was a vision that was given to him concerning Judah and Jerusalem during the reign of these four kings, Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. So it was during this time that God was revealing to Isaiah things to give and say to his people to let them know that they were veering off path concerning their lifestyle and their commitment to living a godly life to the Lord. And so let's go and look at the the second verse. It starts off with the titled uh, headline, A Rebellious Nation, which indicates that the people of God had gone astray from the will of God, that they were rebelling against the word of God, that they were rebelling against the instruction of God, that they were rebelling against living a life that God had already let them know that they should be living and began to seek their own way. And so let's look at each of the verses following. And I'm going to go ahead and just read through. If, if I find a place where um, I, I should stop and expound, I will, according to the leading of God, as I am reading this. Otherwise, I'm going to go straight through with it and then come back and begin to expound over each verse. So starting in verse two, it says here. O heavens, listen, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows his master, the donkey, his owner's manger, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Ah, sinful nation, a people loaded with guilt, a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. They have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on him. Why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured, your whole heart afflicted. From the sole of your feet to the top of your head, there is no soundness, only wounds and welts and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with oil. Your country is desolate. Your cities burned with fire. Your fields are being stripped by foreigners right before you, laid waste as they as when overthrown by strangers. The daughter of Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a hut in a field of melons like a city under siege. Unless the Lord Almighty had left us some survivors, we would have become like Sodom. We would have been like Gomorrah. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the law of our God. 
you people of Gomorrah. The multitude of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? For I have more than enough of burnt offerings, of rams, and the fat of fattened animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you, this trampling of my cords? Stop bringing meaningless offerings. Your incense is detestable to me. New moons, Sabbaths, and convocations. I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts my soul hate. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer up many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come now, let us reason together, said the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are as red as crimson, they shall be like wool. But if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the best of the land. But if you resist and rebel, you will be devoured by the sword from for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. See how the faithful city has become a harlot. She once was full of justice. Righteousness used to dwell in her, but now murderers. Your silver has become dross. Your choice wine is diluted with water. Your rulers are rebels, companions of thieves. They all love bribes and chase after gifts. They do not defend the cause of the fatherless. The widow's case does not come before them. Therefore, the the Lord, the God, the Lord Almighty, the mighty one of Israel declares, Ah, I will get relief from my foes and avenge myself on my enemies. I will turn my hand against you. I will thoroughly purge away your dross and remove all your impurities. I will restore your judges as in the days of old, your counselors as at the beginning. Afterward, you will be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion will be redeemed with the justice, her penitent ones with righteousness. But rebels and sinners will both be broken and those who forsake the Lord will perish you will be ashamed because of the sacred oaks in which you have delighted and you will be disgraced because of the gardens that you have chosen you will be like an oak with fading leaves like a garden without water the mighty man will become tender and his work a spark both will burn together with no one to quench the fire. Now let's go back to the beginning of Isaiah chapter 1. Remember at the very first verse, we were pointing out that Isaiah had been given a vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem. During the reigns of kings Uzziah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah. Now, I want to bring understanding to the fact that when you mention the word vision, some people take it as a dream, and it is as such. But a vision can also be a perception of what someone views as something becoming. In other words, some people have visions of becoming models or becoming uh, artists or becoming musicians. 
That's their vision. That's what they dream of. That's what they hope for. That's what they work towards. That's a source or a type of vision. And then you have those visions that are the types that are revealed to you by the spirit of the Lord that reveal the God's plan for your life. And so Isaiah the prophet was bringing forth his word to the nation of Judah and Jerusalem concerning their apostasy their turning away from God and their turning towards sin and error and he was speaking and saying to them hear O heavens listen O earth in other words let everything in creation hear what God has to say at this point It says the Lord, when you see the Lord in all capital letters, that means God is speaking. And it says, for the Lord has spoken. And then it proceeds after the the, uh, colon, after the word spoken, it proceeds to give you what the Lord, meaning God, has spoken. And it says, I reared children, which means I brought forth children his children his creation his his people and brought them up but they've rebelled against me god said my own creation is turned against me they rebelled against me and then god went on to say the ox knows his master the donkey his owner's manger but israel does not know my people do not understand in other words, you don't you don't know who created you. You don't understand your creator. I gave you life. I put you on this earth. I told you to live in the earth, be fruitful and multiply to take dominion in the earth. That don't mean go and take something that belongs to somebody else. Um, that don't mean to go in and, and, and take another person's country over by force and call it your own or take another person's land by force and call it your own. But it meant to, to inhabit the earth together. And originally in God's plan, it was supposed to have been a unified dwelling Because the word tells us that the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Now, he gave us the dominion in it. He gave us the power to produce, to be fruitful, and to multiply. That in which he had already given us. But as we see of of the times, things are depleting. The times have changed. People care less. People love less. People share less understanding. People share less, you you know, peaceable times together than what it was originally created to be. And this, so this has been progressively deteriorating creation throughout the ages. And so this is what God is talking about when he says that the ox knows his master and the donkey his owner's manger. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Yes, we are a modern day Israel. We are the people of God engrafted by the spirit of God, not by ancestry, all of us, however, but by spiritual right. And it says, my people, my creation, they don't understand. Ah, a sinful nation, a people loaded with guilt, a brood of evildoers. He's telling you because you turned against God. Yeah, you're you're guilty of turning against God. That's what he means. You're guilty of turning your back against him. You're guilty of seeking your way instead of God's way. You're guilty of doing things the way you want to do instead of doing it the way God wants to do. Speaking to every person in creation. Speaking to his people. That includes all. Nobody's excluded. 
And it says a brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord. When, 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 when the people of God give over to corruption, when they yield their way unto things that are displeasing unto God, it says that they, you've forsaken him. You turned your back on him. You left him. To forsake means to leave, to abandon, to go against says they've spurned the Holy One of Israel means you pushed him away. The word of God tells us in another verse of scripture, it says, draw nigh unto me and I will draw nigh, N-I-G-H, unto you. In other words, come close to me, come close to the word of God. This is what God is saying. This is not what I'm saying. This is what God is saying. Come nigh unto me and I will come nigh unto you. And so God is saying, if you meet me halfway, I'll, I'll meet you halfway. If you show me that you're putting in the effort to do what I've asked of you, then I'll show you the effort that I'm putting into giving you all that I've promised. We're not able to walk in the fullness of what God has for for us because we're not drawing nigh unto him. And he's saying, well, if you want to stand afar off, when, when you are in sin, when you are in error, when we are walking against the will of God, then we're standing afar off from God. And then he says, well, then I'll stand afar off from you. Why? Because you turned your backs on him. It says, why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Why do you just persist to rebel against the word of God? It says your whole head is injured. Your whole head is injured. Your whole heart is afflicted. What did God mean when he says your whole head is injured? If you are not doing the will of God, then you ain't thinking right. You ain't doing right. Something ain't going, you ain't, you ain't functioning how God tells you to function. So you're doing everything except for what he's doing. That's what he means when he says your whole head is injured. You don't have the mind of Christ. You malfunctioned. You're doing your own thing. You're doing it the way you think you ought to do. You're doing what make what feels good to you. You're doing how you want it to be. Not how God said it ought to be. And then he says, your whole heart is, a, is in your whole heart is afflicted. It says, from the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness. Only wounds and welts and open sores. He's not talking about anything physical here. He's not talking about a physical manifestation of these things. What he is speaking of is the state of your spiritual being. The way that you are on a spiritual level. He is calling because we have to first understand that God is spirit. And he don't deal with us on no physical level. He don't deal with our skin. He don't deal with this body we live in. He deals with our spirit. And he's telling them the state of their spirit at this time. He's letting them know that your spirit is corrupt. It takes us back to the top. At verse 2, the opening headline where it says the rebellious nation. If you're rebelling, there's corruption. We look at the news. We see corruption. You look at different things going on in the world. Corruption. This is the state and the being of humanity. When God called us to live at peace with one another. Not to be fighting against one another. Not to be plotting against each other. Not to be laying traps and setting uh, snares for each other plotting somebody else's downfall trying to see how quick you can get them to fall off how quick you can mess them up that was not God's plan for your life but then there's a word that says there there's a saying that says that if you dig one ditch you better dig two because the ditch that you dig for one it may just be the one you're digging for you so it's best that you stop plotting against people Stop trying to plot somebody else's demise. Stop trying to see their downfall. Trying to work against somebody like your God. Who gave you the right 
to, to, to try to destroy somebody else. Who gave you, who put you in authority to try to tear down somebody else's character? Who gave you the authority to try to play with somebody else's mind and emotion? Who put you in such a high place that make you feel like you got a right to have such dominion over somebody else that you feel like you can manipulate somebody else's mind and emotions? Go back to the pit of hell, you dark spirit. In the mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Because it is corruption. And that's what corruption is. It's darkness. It's ungodly, unwholesome, impure. Now we all must keep in mind that the word of God says there is none righteous. No, not one. So if you over here are on a pedestal and you are trying to bring somebody else down with everything in you, your whole mission is to try to mess their life up. Keep in mind that there's none righteous. No, not one, including you. This is the reason why Jesus told them in the Bible when they came before him and was saying that the lady in the Bible was a certain way that was unbecoming to God. And Jesus never said a word, but he knelt down and he began to write in the sand. And he said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. In other words, nobody should be trying to bring judgment on nobody in this earth. If you are not the creator of every being in this universe, please take a seat. Relax your mind. Chill the heck out. And let your peace return unto you. And get your own life together. God has one that he's put in place to deal with people, but on a spiritual level, not on no corrupt level trying to put fear in people, trying to stress people out, trying to worry people, trying to make folks think things about themselves that are not. That ain't God, and he's not in it. And if you're one that's working under that power, the Lord rebuke you in the name of Jesus, just like he's doing these people in the word of God. And it shall not prosper in any kind of way. But may your own evil deeds turn back upon you and let that very evil work that you work against somebody else come back upon your own self in Jesus name. Why? Because you what you give out into the universe. It comes back to you. It ain't just a scientific fact. It's a God given fact. God said it. It's in his word. Receive it as such. And so he asked him, he tells him, he says that, he says, why should you be beaten anymore? Why do you persist in rebellion? Your whole head is injured. Your whole heart is afflicted. From the sole of your foot to the top of your head, there is no soundness, only welts, wounds, and open sores, not cleansed or bandaged or soothed with oil. Your country is desolate. Your city burned with fire. Your field is being stripped by foreigners right before you. Do that sound a lot like what's going in the world today? Laid waste as when thrown, overthrown by strangers. It says in verse 8, the daughter of Zion is left like a shelter in a vineyard, like a hut in a field of melons, like a city under siege. Unless the Lord Almighty had left us some survivors, we would have become like Sodom and Gomorrah. We would have come like, we would have become like Sodom and we would have been like Gomorrah. Now we know what happened in the Bible. If you know anything about the word of God, you know what happened to Sodom and Gomorrah. God destroyed the entire city. He wiped it off the face of the earth. He cleaned it out. He burnt it up because of the sinfulness that was going on in the place. God was not pleased. 
And he said, unless the Lord God, the Lord Almighty had left us some survivors, we would have been like Sodom. We would have been like Gomorrah. And then verse 10, here's the prophet Isaiah warning the people. Now he's speaking and he says, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Listen to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. He's comparing him, comparing these people of Jerusalem and Judah, Judah to Sodom and Gomorrah. Because of their rebellion, they had gone away from doing what God said doing, and they had started living their life the way that they wanted to do it, worshiping other gods, worshiping false idols, doing their life the way that they wanted to, apart from what God said that your life should be. And then He tells them, He says, "The multitude of your sacrifices. What are they? Are what are they to me? You over here? You living any kind of way? You doing anything you want to do? You acting all kinds of ugly?" And now you want to turn around and offer up a sacrifice to me. Like I want to receive that. Somewhere else in the word of God, it says that, that it was as stench to the nostrils of God. When they went to offer up their bullocks, when they went to offer up their sacrifices of praise unto God. See today we don't offer up those type of sacrifices, but we offer up praise. We offer up worship, but you can't be out here living foul, doing anything you want to do and then turn around and offer up a praise, a sacrifice of praise to God, a sacrifice of worship to God and accept for God to receive it. He does because he loves us. Sometimes he has mercy on us. He does because he, he, um, he's a merciful God. So who are you as a person not to be merciful to somebody else? Knowing God's showing you mercy every day. The very reason why you're up this morning. The very reason why you got up today is because God let you get up. He didn't have to let you get off your bed. He didn't have to let you breathe. He didn't have to let you have eyes to see with ears to hear with. He didn't have to allow you the mobility to be able to get around. But because he loves his people despiteful, uh, despite of their sinful ways, he still allows us grace and mercy. That's what covers us nowadays. But back in the Old Testament, there was no grace. There was no mercy. There was only the law of sin and death, which means if you sinned, your, your, your sentence to God was death. And it was because he allowed you to choose that fate that you chose and so now mercy covers us grace covers us and God covers us and he protects us he's the one that has the final say set a trap for somebody and watch it come down on you plot and try to destroy somebody and watch it come back upon you if you're not careful So be careful about digging ditches for other people. Be careful about trying to destroy other people. Be careful about being evil toward being divisive. You know in your heart that you are doing something that God is not pleased to try to harm somebody else in any kind of way, mentally, physically, or emotionally, and you still willingly do it, knowing that what you're doing is not what you're supposed to do, then you are you purposefully. And willingly turning yourself over to whatever the door you open up for the enemy to to try to come against you. And so right now, with the call that the prophet Isaiah is giving to the people of Judah and Jerusalem is a call to repentance. That's what it really is. Telling them who they are, saying, I see you for who you are. I see your works. I know you turned against me. I know that you haven't been obeying the word that I have given you. I created you. I gave you a world to live in, to be fruitful in, to multiply in. And what thanks do you give me but to turn your back on me and go live, go worshiping other gods and other idols and doing things that are not pleasing to the one who gave you the very life that you have. That's the thanks you gave God. So now he's giving them a call to repentance. So 
So then it says, the multitudes of your sacrifices, what are they to me, says the Lord? I have more than enough of burnt offerings of rams and the fatted lambs, the fatted animals. I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. All these folks making these sacrifices and stuff. This is the reason why God stopped taking pleasure in it. Because of the corruption that was going on. And so now you got other people mimicking what God had originally intended for him. And now they're using it to worship other gods. And and, and conjure up other nonsense. And it says when you... When you... um, And then this was going on during the Bible time. And so now he says, I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls and lambs and goats. But when you come to appear before me, who has asked this of you? This trampling of my courts. In other words, coming into his sanctuary, into the house of God, coming before him with such ungodliness, uncleanliness. He says, stop bringing meaningless Offerings, your incense is detestable to me. Detestable means it is disgusting, it is displeasing unto him. He's not pleased with it. And then he goes on to say, Now, this is God speaking through the, the prophet concerning the people, speaking to the prophet concerning the people for the word. For the prophet to give to the people. And he says, new moons, Sabbaths, and convocations, I cannot bear your evil assemblies. Your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. God said he hates them. He hates them. And they say, well, hate ain't any good. It ain't any good to say you hate nobody. God said what he want to say. He's sovereign. He created this universe. And if he hates it, he hates it. And there's nothing that anybody can do about it. Because he's creator of all. And so he goes on and he says, I can't bear your evil your evil assemblies, your new moons, festivals, and your appointed feasts, my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. God said he'll hide his eyes from you. He ain't even got time to be looking at you. Because you know the first thing people do when they got problems. They want to go talking to the Lord. Oh God. Father God help. In the name of Jesus. Work it out God. And he said but you wasn't talking about working it out when you was over there worshiping them other idols. You wasn't talking about working out when you was over here plotting against your brothers and sisters in the Lord. Because whether you know them personally or not, I created all beings to be equal, to live in this universe. And we are all as one. We come from the same God, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And so you're all brothers and sisters, whether you want to be or not. It doesn't matter what color your skin is, how old you are, how young you are, what race you come from. What matters is that God created everybody. And this world belongs to each and every one of us. And it ain't no one set person's world. This ain't Donald Trump's world and nobody else's world. This is God's world. And we all have a part in it. We all have a responsibility in it. But it's funny how people don't want to start coming together until destruction is at hand. And then when the whole thing get ready to go up in smoke, then they want to start trying to work together to, 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 to keep the earth from deteriorating because of all of the stuff that's been going on in the earth. And by then it's too late. When you can just heed the word of the Lord now, be obedient to God's word, turn from your wicked ways. The word of God says that if, if these my people who were called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face seek God's face then will he hear from heaven and heal the land but you first got to want to turn from your wicked ways and seek his face but you too busy trying to seek all of these other idols face the American idol
these big statues, these trophies and awards, fame, fortune, instead of seeking God's face. It's not saying that stuff is bad, but put God first. And if it's meant for you to have, then he'll bless you with all that belongs to you. So he tells him, he says, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer up many prayers, I will not listen to you. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. God tells them. God tells them, stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. In other words, seek living a life that is just and pleasing to God. Not seek justice against other people. Justice was never meant to be served against other folks. It was meant to be served against you before God so you can get you right with God. You to be busy over here trying to worry about somebody else. What about yourself? That's what God is saying. He says, seek it and do right. So why would God tell you to seek justice and do right? Because you're supposed to be seeking justice for yourself. Because if you really look at, you got to go into the history of it. But just us, J-U-S-T-U-S. It's also a form of the name of who Jesus is, a representation of the character of who the Messiah is. That means uprightness, godliness, holiness, pure, sanctified, untainted by sin or corruption. And then he turned around and says, encourage the oppressed. So why is this, why is the world so full of people discouraging the oppressed? You know why? Because you're following after that other spirit. That's not God. You see, they already oppressed, but instead of edifying, the word edify means to build up. Instead of building them up, you're ready to tear them down. You're trying to keep them from going higher. You don't want to see them doing about because they already oppressed. So the way of Satan is to try to bring you even further down than what you are. So what make you think I what make you think that God is in that? Because he's not. God is not in destruction of other individuals, but he says to encourage the oppressed, not discourage them. He says to defend the cause of the fatherless. He didn't say offend them. He said defend their cause. Plead the case of the widow. Because you know most of the time in the Bible. When the widows. When a woman became the widow. They would go and take her land and all of her stuff from her. But then he's, God is saying, defend her cause. Stand by her. Be a support system to her. Because she is a widow. But Satan wants you to be the one that goes and try to work against them. And do the opposite of what you're supposed to be doing. And then going over there and not pleading her cause, her case. Not, not helping her. Not helping her keep her land. Not helping her not, uh, end up not being on the streets. Not helping her um, be in a place where she's impoverished after her husband passed. Now this is back in, in, in biblical history and the times before when these things would take place, when the women became widowed, they would lose their things because their husband was no longer there to be the provider of the household. And he's telling you the way that you're supposed to be living your life. 
You over here trying to worry about the next person's life. You over here trying to worry about how somebody else is supposed to be doing what they're supposed to be doing outside of the word of God. According to your own fleshly and sinful thoughts and deeds. At least I'm using the word of God at this point to bring some clarity to the way that things are supposed to be. This is what Isaiah was doing. He was using the word of God, but it came to him in the form of a vision. It came to him in the form of a word given him by God while he was in his resting state of how and what to tell the people of God about how their lives was living and what they needed to do in order to set the record straight with God. We too busy trying to set the record straight with people here on this earth. People on this earth do not have a heaven or hell to put you in. They really do not. Because no matter what an individual does, no matter what power they think they have, the final say is up to the master and creator, Lord and God over all. Amen. So it says... Come, let us reason together. Let me go back a little bit up here, a few verses back. Now it says that God says that all of their festivals and feasts have come a burden to him. And he says that he'll hide his eyes from them if they come and offer him up many prayers. He said he will not listen. It says your, your hands are full of blood. God tells them to wash and make themselves clean. And he tells them, he says, take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do right. Seek justice. Hallelujah. Seek living a godly life. Encourage the oppressed. Defend the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. Come, let us reason together. Come, let us reason together. Come, let us reason together. That what he's saying is come, my children. And what we should be saying to one another is come, my brother or sister in the Lord. And let us put our heads together. Think this thing over. Find out a way that we both can make it in this world together. To where I ain't got to pull you down and you don't have to pull me down. I don't have to be a burden to you. You don't have to be a burden to me. I can be strength for you. You can be strength for me. I can be encouragement for you. You can be encouragement for me. Come, let us reason together. Let us put our heads together. And let's figure out a way that we can all make it in this world together. Instead of fighting against one another, plotting against one another, trying to tear one another down. Come and let us reason together because we all got to live in this world. So we all may as well try to get along in it. Because no matter what you do, as long as you got life on this planet and as long as there is a God in control, you got somebody to answer to. Just like I do, just like the next person does. And that somebody is God and everybody's going to have to answer to him in the end. So come, let us reason together. Working against one another is not the answer. And then God turns around and he says, though your sins are as scarlet. Hallelujah. Though your sins are as scarlet. God says, they shall be white as snow. See, will you come and let us reason together? If my people would come to me, if these my people who were called by my name would humble themselves and pray and seek my face. See, that's reasoning together. This is what God says. If you come to me, humble yourself and pray and seek my face then when I hear from heaven and heal your land. So now, I, and he's not saying that in this particular verse of scripture, but I'm saying this is how you reason with God. 
This is how you come before the Lord and you reason with him. You humble yourself first. You don't go before God with no haughty spirit. You don't go before God puffed up. You don't go before God with no attitude. You don't go before God throwing your weight around. You don't go before God throwing your money status around in life. You don't go around talking about, do you know who I am? You ain't never heard of me. God don't care about none of that. Who are you? That would be his question. And he would graciously wait for your answer. Because the one that you might get him may not be the one that you should be giving him. Because it's not about your money, your fame, your fortune, your status in life. Neither is it about your position or your title. But it is about who you are supposed to be in God. Who he created you to be. This is the reason why God would ask you, who are you? Do you know? I know. But do you know? That's what God will say to you. If you went to him talking about, do you know who I am? He created you. Yes, he knows. What kind of nonsense would that be? My God. And so he tells him, he says that though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. When you come before him and you reason with him, in other words, you when you reason with God, you will come before him and you will say, Father God, I ask you to forgive me for the things that I have done. I thought that I was doing the right thing, but I realized that this was not the way that it should be. Or Lord God, I thought that I had the right idea in mind, but all that has met in, in the path was this, 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 and that. And then you begin to let him know your concerns concerns now you're reasoning with God and then he can turn around and turn and say you know you have been forgiven he will forgive those things because now you realize you have a need for God in your life you realize that the way that you were going was not the way that God intended for you to be going. You realize that the life that you were living is not the life that he predestined for you to be living. You realize that the path that you were traveling down was leading you to a road of destruction and you began to see that you needed to make a turn for the better. This is when you have reasoned with God and you come to the conclusion that the person that I thought that I was, God, in you, I am not, but there is a greater need for you in my life than I thought there was. And I need you to meet me right in the midst of my mess and come and snatch me up out of this pit of life. Put me up on a straight and narrow path. Put me up on higher ground so that I can be able to tread safely through this life. Come, let us reason together said the Lord, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. And you know wool is white. It don't have not one speck dot of dirt in it. It says, if you are willing, come reason together. If you're willing and obedient, You will eat the best from the land if you're willing, if you're obedient. You will eat the best from the land. You won't have to eat scraps. You won't have to eat leftovers. You won't have to eat junk. You won't have to eat out the trash can. You won't have to eat somebody else's scrapings. But God says that you, if you're willing... Are you willing today? Are you willing today to reason together with the Lord? To confess to God that the way that you thought that you was living your life is not the way that you should be living it. That you thought that the way that you was doing it the right way. But you now realize that there are some things that you need to 
do better on and some areas you need to work on, some ways that you have that you need to get rid of, some attitudes that you've harbored that you need to release and let go of, some thinking that you held in your mind that you need to shake off of you, some things that you have allowed to weigh you down that you need to shake off of you as well. These are the things that we are referring to right now when it says that if you be willing and obedient, you will eat the best from the land. And then he goes on in verse 20 and God says, but if you resist and if you rebel, you will be devoured by the sword for the mouth of the Lord in all capital letters meaning God has spoken now what sword is he talking about the sword of the spirit that sword he ain't talking about no physical sword only in some cases He's talking about the sword of the spirit, the word of God. He said that the word of God is like a two-edged sword. It cuts asunder, dividing both the soul and the body, the spirit and the flesh which means you gonna have to choose who you gonna live for you gonna have to choose what master you gonna serve you gotta choose cause you can't serve both so it's either you gonna live for God and be under his divine covering or you gonna live for the enemy And be open to whatever the adversary got for you. But you got to choose. This is why. I have this mantra. That I'm learning to cultivate in my life. Your life. Your destiny. Your choice. You get to choose. I first began cultivating that mantra when I had to make a decision to cut off some unhealthy friendships and relationships. People that smile in your face and talk about you behind your back. People that play friend to you, but all the time they plotting against you. People that try to manipulate your will to make you think that they for you when they really against you. And I began to seek God and ask the Lord to show me who's for me and who not. And some of them very people, I, I, I'm, your, I, I'm your friend, I got your back, I got you, I got you, I got you. We cool, I got you. But then let yourself get in a situation where you need some help. Call them. See how many of them pick up the phone. You have an emergency. Call them. See who picking up that phone. Need to have a heart-to-heart conversation with somebody to get some stuff off your mind. See who's willing to listen. Or are they telling you you tripping? Or are they telling you you just it's just your imagination? Or are they just telling you it's just you? They not like that's not who that's not what that is. That's just you. But when God gives you a discernment to be able to know what is God and what's not God, then you know the difference. And don't you let nobody else tell you nothing different. I'm not talking about no homemade discernment. I'm talking about a God-given discernment. 
one that only the Father and Creator of all universe can give. And so I had to learn to say, this is my life. And my life leads me to my destiny. And my destiny, where I end up in my life, is my choice. I have a choice in the matter. You don't get to tell me which way I'm going to go because you my best friend. Now, we're going to go over here. We're going to do this right here. We're going to handle it this way. We This how we going to do it. We, we ain't going that way. Everybody ain't doing it that way. That ain't not everybody doing it. Everybody doing it like this now. I don't care what everybody doing. Everybody ain't God. I do not care what everybody is doing. Your life, your destiny, it's your choice. Your destiny is your choice. And you get to choose. You have a say in the matter. You don't have to be blown in every direction of the compass just because your friend's doing it. Just because the people around you doing it. Yeah, you're going to have people talk about you. You're going to have people make fun of you. You're going to have people ridicule you. You're going to have folks ostracize you because you're not fitting in with the status quo. Because you're not doing what the the crowds are doing. Because you're different. They look at you, don't even know you haven't even gotten a chance to say hello yet. And try to place judgment on you just on what they heard. You don't even know me. Get to know me first as a person. Become a real friend to me. Then you might can tell me something about myself. But on some gossip, you can take that to the trash can and dump it. The gossip, the lies, the nonsense. The petty intimidation. You can keep that. No, nobody need that. That's what we ain't doing no more. That's what's old. That's what's woe out. Pettiness. Childish. That's what being petty is. It's childish. It shows a, it shows a lot of immaturity. You up here 50, 60 years old being petty. And then trying to make it look like it's okay. I'm real good and petty. No, you're real good and childish. Grow up. Ain't nothing cute about being petty. Verse 21. Let's expound a little bit further. We're wrapping it up. It says, See how the faithful city... This is what God is saying, verse 21. It says, see how the faithful city has become a harlot. Well, what did God mean by that? Calling the city a harlot. That means that they have began to allow themselves to be spiritually harlotized. By going astray from the way that God had led them and being pimped out in the realm of the spirit by the spirit of deception and lies. So keep in mind that none of this has to do with a physical connotation of anything, but it is all spiritual. So that means that the warfare that we are up against in the realm of the natural is not a physical warfare it is a spiritual warfare manifested for your eyes to see but you better know that there is a force working behind it that is not the power of God so therefore the only way that you're going to defeat this principality is by the power of God in you through prayer fasting trusting believing confessing the word of God and connecting with other believers And connecting with other believers. 
It goes on to say that the city of Judah and Jerusalem were being harlotized by their disobedience. It says she was once full of justice. She was once full of living godliness. She was.